Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Glasgow Times Sports Podcast, normally recorded in our studio at the Bishop Briggs Media Centre, currently recorded from our volunteers' homes. To keep in touch with us, use our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, which are all at Q and Review. That's C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W. Or get in touch via information at qandreview.com. That's information at c-u-e-a-n-d-r-e-v-i-e-w.com. Please like and share our podcast and give us any constructive feedback. Evening Times Sport, June 21. Calvin Bassey pinpoints Nigeria disappointment. Report by Chris Jack. Calvin Bassey reckons being overlooked for international duty in January was a key point in his remarkable campaign that saw him rise to prominence with Rangers. The Nigerian missed out on a place at the Africa Cup of Nations and had to watch on as the Super Eagles suffered an early exit as they were beaten at the last 16 stage by Tunisia. Bassi put that disappointment behind him in spectacular style, and he would finish the season at club level with man-of-the-match performances in the Europa League and the Scottish Cup finals. AFCON qualifiers against Sierra Leone and Sao Tome and Principe were the final outings of an incredible term for the defender, and he is now an integral part of the international setup under the guidance of boss Jose Pesero. Bassi said, I love being Nigerian. I think the culture is unique, the people are unique, and we are a great nation. I was shocked to get called up. I couldn't believe it. I just felt privileged and blessed. I thank God every day because God is our strength. I just feel blessed and privileged to be here and to represent our great nation. Playing for Nigeria, I don't think I can really put it into words. We have over 200 million people behind our backs every time we go onto that pitch. Just being able to be one of the 25 players in the squad representing them is a dream come true. We have got important games coming up and I just want to help the team in any way I can. Obviously it was very disappointing to miss AFCON but I knew I just needed to work harder and try and up my game. I am guessing that is why I am here. Hopefully I have done that and caught the coach's eye. Bassey's stunning form for Rangers has seen him linked with moves to the Premier League and the Ibrox board have placed a £25 million valuation on his head this summer. The 22-year-old excelled in centre-back and left-back berths for Van Bronckhurst's side and he will have a key role to play in the coming campaign as Rangers bid to retain their Premiership title and prepare for a crack at the Champions League. Bassey joined teammate Joe Aribo 
and former Irox star Leon Balogan in the squad earlier this month, and has shown his versatility and promise on the international stage, as well as making a name for himself at domestic and European level this term. He told NFF-TV, I always get asked, what is my best position? But honestly, I just like to play football. If the manager puts me as a striker, I'm going to go there and give everything I have got. I just love playing football. Sometimes I feel like it depends what a coach wants from me. We have seen many players, like James Milner for example, that changes position. Sometimes he is playing centre mid, sometimes he is playing on the left. It just depends the game you are playing and what the manager wants from you. The one thing you can never doubt about Nigeria is the talent. We have always had some of the top young talents in the world. I think they are only going to get better, only going to get stronger. There will always be high expectations because we have always had talents in the Nigerian squad. We have just got to take each game as it comes. Report by Christopher Jack Evening Time Sport June 21 Joseph Juranovic Celtic Transfer Latest Report by Aidan Smith Joseph Juranovic is happy and settled at Celtic and is not keen on a summer exit from Parkhead, according to reports in Croatia. Last night, a shock story from transfer guru Fabrizio Romano suggested that the fullback would leave Scotland this window with interest coming from the Premier League. Juranovic moved to Celtic just 12 months ago and has enjoyed a successful stint under manager Ange Postikoglu. Croatian outlet Germaniak say he has settled with hoops and is not actively looking for a route out of the club. They said, Juranovic to the Premier League? Right now, no. As per our sources, Jura is happy in Celtic. He plays regularly and in less than a year he has become a fan's favourite. Also, he doesn't want to jeopardise his chances for the World Cup in Qatar. Celtic wants at least £15 million for him. Transfer insider Romano had tweeted, Croatian national team right by Juranovic is expected to leave Celtic this summer as many clubs are following him. Meanwhile, Juranovic is under contract at Celtic to 2026 after penning a five-year deal following a transfer from Legia Warsaw last summer. Report by Aidan Smith Evening Times Sport, June 21 Callum McGregor says putting own stamp on Celtic captaincy was key to success. Report by Graeme McGarry When Callum McGregor was named Celtic captain by Ange Postecoglou last summer, he knew that he had big boots to fill. 
but he was also savvy enough to know that he was never going to be able to lead the club by attempting to be Scott Brown. He has taken on board many lessons from his great friend, but McGregor was always confident that he could put his own stamp on the Celtic captaincy and take the rest of the players with him by imparting his own personality upon the role. It is an approach that certainly appears to have paid off, with the 29-year-old lifting two trophies in his first season as Celtic skipper, and he believes that he was able to help bring that success to the club by being a steadying influence during a time of much upheaval. McGregor told the Celtic View, Over the last few years, I have been watching Scott Brown closely and I was vice-captain for a few games, so making the transition in the summer, I was fairly confident I could do the job. It was about me putting my personality into the role, but you need good players and people with you to make you a success, and that's why we've done as well as a group. The uncertainty surrounding the whole situation at the club in the summer naturally put people on edge. People wanted to know where their future was, and fans were desperate to know what was happening at the club. When the manager was appointed, there was a sense of excitement, but we were still recruiting players in the pre-season, and we had younger guys with us. When there's a lot of change, you look to the consistent ones that understand the club and the expectation, and when you're bringing players in, then they need to feel that because not many places are like Celtic with the demands we set. With so many players coming into the dressing room, McGregor made a point of ensuring that he was their first contact and that they would each instantly know about the expectations that were now on them as Celtic players. It is credit to each of them, in his view, that they have taken the responsibility of representing the club on board and have managed to rise to the standards he has demanded of them. He said, We had different cultures and personalities all coming to the club, and the big thing was to speak to them about respect. As long as we had a base level of respect, then relationships would grow from there, and the players have been so respondent of that in the way they've conducted themselves and the bond that we have created. I have been hugely impressed with the characters we have recruited, and the personality of the players has been very much of that mould. We set the standards, and I think that's the reason we have been so successful, because we keep pushing the mentality of the group. Report by Graham McGarry Evening Times Sport, June 21 Nick Rogers says, United States Open provides much-needed silver lining. These are breathless times for golf. In fact, I almost ran out of puff just there, halfway through typing the word breathless. It's been a panting, 
gasping old spell of late. What with all that relentless LIV golf series palaver, being immediately followed by a titanic United States Open. Amid the general tumult, your correspondent popped along to the circus at the weekend. Are you the clown who writes a weekly golf column? asked the ringmaster with a crack of his whip. It was just like being back on the sports desk. But what an intoxicating troupe. And I'm talking about the circus here, not the sports desk. Acrobats, jugglers, tumblers, daredevils, and a Mongolian contortionist who managed to coil herself into such a mystifying posture, I actually dislocated my own tongue, trying to explain to my entranced toddler what was unravelling before his bamboozled eyes. As for the show-stopping spectacle that was the United States Open, well, you couldn't take your eyes off it either. After the cause celebre of that aforementioned LIV series curtain raiser the previous week, Matt Fitzpatrick's thrilling triumph at Brookline was a timely tonic for a game in need of some soothing PR. In stark contrast to the cash-sodden, controversy-laden LIV thingamabob a few days earlier, the 122nd United States Open was a glorious exhibition of competition with meaning at a championship of grand stature. This was proper golf. At a turbulent time, when money, money and more money is consuming the men's game, and the drooling lust for it is trashing the reputations of certain players, it was fitting that Brookline stepped into the limelight. This was the course, after all, where Francis Umet won the 1913 United States Open as an amateur and changed the face of American golf. He remained in the unpaid ranks all his days, to play for the sake of playing and all that. Fitzpatrick hardly walked away with sweeties, of course. His cheque for a whopping £3.15 million was the biggest in major history. But this was about more than money. The Saudi-backed LIV series may be trying to steamroll in a new future for golf with seemingly unlimited resources. But the United States Open was a reminder of the historic values that most players and wider lovers of the game cherish most. After enduring a painful final round of the United States PGA Championship a few weeks ago, Fitzpatrick was tied second after 54 holes, a hefty prize for an eventual share of fifth provided little consolation. He said, I came away from the US PGA and literally couldn't care less about how much I made that week. I was just gutted that I didn't win. That's all I'm bothered about out here. The man known as the baby-faced assassin made amends on Sunday, and a gripping championship will be rightly treasured. The old layout of Brookline's country club stood firm against the might of the modern-day power game, 
while Fitzpatrick stood firm too. Yes, there were one or two wobbles. Wobbles can be par for the course when you're at the sharp end on United States Open Sunday. But the Sheffield man was as sturdy as a case of cutlery forged in the steel city. Hitting 17 of 18 greens in regulation in the manic maelstrom of Major Championship Sunday was a heck of a statistic. His approach from the fairway bunker in the last meanwhile is now being hailed as the greatest salvage operation from the sand on the 72nd hole of a major since we were in Sandy Lyle's seven iron out of the trap on Augusta in 1988. Heady praise indeed. One of the great iron shots under pressure I've ever seen, said the 18-time major champion Jack Nicklaus in the aftermath. Just a bit of hit and hope, was Fitzpatrick's chuckling assessment of a defining moment. In the search for those little gains in this game of very small margins and fine lines, Fitzpatrick's discipline, dedication and diligence is renowned. Apparently he's scribbled down notes of every practice shot he's hit since he was about 14 or 15 and logged it all into a spreadsheet. I was just imagining employing a similar process with my own hoiks, sclaffs, duffs and skitters on the driving range. The data typed in would be so offensive, I'd be charged under the Computer Misuse Act. It is Fitzpatrick's tireless and forensic attention to detail that maketh the golfing man, along with good honest Yorkshire upbringing that keeps him down to earth as a flat cap and whippet. Golf has rebelled in another of its great days. As for the days ahead, well expect a return to more LIV related commotion as Greg Norman prepares to unveil more high profile defectors for the next event of the $255 million series in Portland later this month. The PGA Tour bosses are set to hold a meeting with players today to lay out further plans to combat the general upheaval. The DP World Tour heat bummers are also poised to explain what they're going to do later this week as they establish circuits who are in a strategic alliance attempt to navigate water so choppy you would not be surprised to hear golf crop up on the shipping forecast. And amid the menacing storm clouds of uncertainty, at least Fitzpatrick and the United States Open provided a much needed silver lining, says Nick Roger. Evening Times Sport, June 21. UEFA gush over Morales. Report by Aidan Smith. UEFA have wished Alfredo Morelos a happy birthday by sharing some of his best goals from the Europa League. The Colombian striker turns 26 today and the official Europa League Instagram account was quick to mark the occasion. Morelos scored four goals in the competition last term 
as the light blues made it all the way to the final in Seville. Unfortunately for the Ibrox hitman, he was ruled out of the semi-final and final of the tournament due to a thigh injury. We told yesterday how reports in Turkey say Rangers are in talks with Turkish outfit Besiktas over a deal for him. Fanatic suggest that the Super League outfit will hold talks with the Colombian this week over a possible transfer delay. Morales is out of contract in 2023 and it remains to be seen whether he will make a big money move. The Rangers striker has never shied away from discussing a big money move away from Ibrox and he has revealed that he would like to test himself in an elite European league. Report by Aidan Smith Evening Times, June 22 Former St Mirren star wanted by Dundee United Report by Ewan Payton Jack Ross has identified Jamie McGrath as a summer transfer target for Dundee United, according to a report. The 46-year-old was appointed as United's new manager on Monday following Tam Court's departure. Ross is now getting his teeth into the job, with pre-season already underway at this stage of the summer. He is a long-term admirer of McGrath, having tried to sign the attacking midfielder for Hibs during his time there. The Ireland international departed the buddies for Wigan in January this year, but according to the Courier, Ross has not given up hope of securing McGrath's services this time at Tannadice. During a press call this morning, Ross spoke about potential recruitment in the summer. He told Sky Sports, we are hard at work to try and bring players to the club because we need to. I think it's quite clear when you look at the numbers we have in the squad currently. It's a young squad as well who have had pathways afforded to them last year and that will continue to be the case. But equally, you need others to share that load. The identification of players is there now. The next part is trying to bring them to the club. Although we are trying to play catch-up a little bit, there's still plenty of time to ensure that we are in the best possible place for the start of the season. Report by Ewan Payton. Evening Times Sport, June 22. Matt Fitzpatrick turns to other major winners for advice. Report by Phil Casey. United States Open champion Matt Fitzpatrick will seek advice from the likes of Rory McIlroy and Danny Willett after getting an early taste of his newfound fame. Fitzpatrick's victory at Brookline made him the first English winner of a major since Willett at the 2016 Masters, while McIlroy put aside his own disappointment on Sunday to wait beside the 18th green to congratulate Fitzpatrick on his maiden major title. Fitzpatrick said, I messaged Rory just saying thank you for sticking it around after the round on Sunday. 
I mentioned that I might want to have a chat about one or two things. I'll be speaking to another couple of players that also have been in the same position as me, just on what to do, maybe what not to do, what worked well for them, and try and get some advice. Fitzpatrick was speaking on his second day of a whirlwind media tour, which included an appearance on American morning show Today, and being recognised, albeit eventually, on the streets of New York. The 27-year-old added, It's just been incredibly surreal. It's all just happened incredibly fast. I didn't get finished with media and signing until late on Sunday night, and then on Monday there was a bit more media and a few other things to do, and then came into the city last night as well. I've had some pretty cool messages, but being recognised at dinner in New York last night was a little bit weird, and the guy actually did a triple take. I watched him walk past, and then he walked back, and then he walked past again, just to say, well done. So I appreciated that. Fitzpatrick will come back down to earth when he returns home to Sheffield this weekend, before playing the J.P. McManus Pro-Am from July 4th to 5th, ahead of the Genesis Scottish Open and he is looking forward to teeing it up in the 150th Open Championship at St Randers as he seeks more major titles, with a total of six, the record for a European player held by Nick Faldo, necessary to achieve legend status. He added, I feel like I've just proven to myself that I can do more. I feel like I can go and win other majors now. I feel like this has just given me a massive confidence boost in knowing that I've achieved this. Of course I want to win six majors, but it was kind of a bit of a joke between me and my pals that anyone who has six majors is like part of this mythical legends group that we created. Now it's out there. Everyone thinks that six is what I'm going to win. I'm just trying to win one at a time and keep doing what I'm doing. Report by Phil Casey Evening Times Sport, June 22 LIV Golf Rebels eligible to play at the Open, R&A announce. Report by James Kearney Players who have signed up to the Breakaway LIV Golf Series will still be allowed to take their place in next month's Open, the R&A has announced. While the PGA Tour has issued bans to all those involved in the Saudi-backed venture after they played in the inaugural event earlier this month, organisers of last week's United States Open did not follow suit. That stance will be followed at this year's final major when the 150th Open Championship at St Andrews gets underway in three weeks' time. Chief Executive Martin Slumbers said, The Open is golf's original championship, 
and since it was first played in 1860, openness has been fundamental to its ethos and unique appeal. Players who are exempt or have earned a place through qualifying for the 150th Open in accordance with the entry terms and conditions will be able to compete in the championship at St Andrews. We are focused on staging a world-class championship in July and celebrating this truly historic occasion for golf. We will invest the proceeds of the Open, as we always do, for the benefit of golf, which reflects our purpose to ensure that the sport is thriving 50 years from now. Report by James Kearney. Evening Time Sport, June 22. Robbie McCrory, set for Ibrox exit. Report by Chris Jack. Rangers keeper Robbie McCrory is set to quit Ibrox this summer after seeing his route to first team action blocked once again ahead of the new campaign. The 24-year-old is entering the final 12 months of his contract with his boyhood heroes, but will not put pen to paper on an extension as he seeks a move to kickstart his career. And now Rangers run the risk of losing one of their most promising up-and-coming talents for free next summer, unless they do a deal that will see McCrory bring an end to his lengthy association with the club in the coming weeks. Time Sport understands that McCrory was given assurances over his place in Van Bronckhurst's plans this term, but now feels that he has no option but to head for the exit door to avoid another wasted season on the bench after a change in stance at Ibrooks. It is understood that Manchester United have added McCrory, who was called up for Scotland duty for the recent Nations League clashes with the Republic of Ireland and Armenia, to their list of potential targets this summer, as incoming boss Eric Ten Hag prepares for an extensive overhaul of the Red Devils squad. A handful of English clubs are keeping close tabs on McCrory's situation as he prepares to return to pre-season action with Van Bronckhurst's squad and aims to hit the ground running ahead of the new campaign. But that will not be to stake his claim for the number one jersey this term, as boss Van Bronckhurst gets set to put his faith in John McLaughlin, despite Alan McGregor signing a new Ibrox deal this week after deciding not to hang up his gloves. McCrory made two appearances for Rangers last term as he deputised for McGregor during the Europa League stalemate with Alash Kert and then produced an accomplished showing on his old firm debut as Celtic were beaten at Ibrox. But he has now been left disillusioned with the keeper's situation and will look to move on for the sake of his career as Rangers are left to recruit another short stopper to provide backup to McLaughlin and McGregor during the upcoming campaign. Report by Chris Jack. Evening Times Sport, June 22. 
Marco Negri insists Alfredo Morales should stay at Rangers. Report by James Kearney. Former Rangers striker Marco Negri has urged Alfredo Morales to sign a contract extension at Ibrox, adding that playing for the Glasgow club will be a career high point for the Colombian. Morales arrived in Scotland five years ago and has become a cult figure in Govan in that time, scoring over 100 goals and becoming the club's top scorer in Europe. The centre-forward's contract expires in 12 months' time, and there is speculation that Rangers may be tempted to cash in on the 26-year-old this summer, rather than losing him for nothing in a year. However, Negri, who famously scored an incredible 23 goals in his first 10 league games for the Glasgow Giants, believes that Morelos should commit his future to the Ibrox side. And the Italian reckons that if Morelos had been fit and available for the Europa League final, the forward could have had a telling impact against Eintracht Frankfurt. Negri told the Daily Record, Looking back, I can say I made a few mistakes. I have some regrets, but a lot of joy and great memories. Playing for Rangers was absolutely the highest point of my career, and I'm sure Alfredo will say the same when he finally retires. The club cannot afford to lose a big player like Morelos on a free transfer, but Alfredo has to realise what is the best for his development. Sometimes players can think other clubs are better, but if you're settled in a city, loved by millions of fans, get on with your teammates and play for one of the most successful clubs in the world. I don't think a striker can want more. I really hope Morelos will stay and deliver more goals and trophies for Rangers. I really like him. I think he was the man the team missed so much at the end of the season. Without him, Rangers lost a power power up front. If Alfredo had been on the pitch, the Europa League final in Seville might have gone another way. Report by James Kearney. Evening Times Sport, June 22. Celtic new boy Seagrist looking to push for number one jersey. Report by James Kearney. Benjamin Segrist has vowed to push role model Joe Hart all the way after signing a four-year deal with Celtic. The 30-year-old Swiss shortstopper completed his move to the Singe Premiership champions on a free agent after impressing during his time at Dundee United and will provide stiff competition for former England international Hart. Seagrass told Celtic TV, Joe needs no introduction. Joe was a role model, and he still is a role model for me. I look up to him, and he's such an imposing figure in the goal, with loads of experience, winning titles in England, and obviously just being around him, I want to learn as much as possible. But I want to compete. I want to push him. He's certainly going to push me all the way.
Seagrist revealed his pride at the move, which was sealed after a phone call from Celtic boss Ange Postacoglu. He said, It feels amazing. It's a very proud feeling to be here, and I'm really, really excited. I can't wait to get going and meet the staff, the players, and ultimately play for this football club. I had a phone call from the manager. He hung up the phone and I think people just knew straight away that something good was happening. It was a very proud moment in my career. To be here and to be representing the football team, the colours, the city and everything. It is a hugely proud moment and everything I've always wanted to be. At a top environment, at a top team and it simply cannot get any better than this. Seagrist is no stranger to Celtic fans, having excelled against their club in recent seasons, and admitted the quality and heritage of the opposition had inspired him. He said, Of course you know you're going to be busy playing against such a talented side and international players, so I was never short of motivation. Postikoglu was delighted with his second summer signing after completing a permanent deal for Tottenham defender Karen Carter-Vickers. He said, We all saw last season the ability that Ben has as time and again he delivered fantastic performances. He is a really talented keeper with the ambition to always work, to develop himself further and to achieve success. And I think in signing Ben, we have made a very important addition to our squad. Report by James Tierney. Evening Times Sport, June 23. Celtic release emphatic stock exchange update. Report by David Irwin. Celtic have released an emphatic message to shareholders on the stock exchange crediting the return of fans and on-field success for significantly higher revenue. Parkhead bosses shared a message on the London Stock Exchange explaining full-year results for the year ending 30th of June 2022 will see an increase in revenue in comparison to market expectations. The statement hailed the results on the park with Celtic picking up the Premier Sports Cup and Scottish Premiership title, as well as referencing the return of full capacity crowds. And due to the market expectations being drawn up during the COVID-19 pandemic, the real figures are expected to dwarf the understandably more cautious outlook. However, the statement also warned Player trading will influence the financial performance, and with the transfer window open, figures are subject to change. The club will publish the full financial rundown in mid-September, following the close of the transfer market. The Stock Exchange message read, Celtic has enjoyed a strong on-pitch performance in the 2021-2022 football season and has returned to full capacity spectator attendance following the loosening of the COVID-19 restrictions. 
This means that revenue for the year ended 30 June 2022 will be significantly higher than market expectations, which were formed at a time when the outlook was understandably more cautious as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. Player registration valuations and player trading can and often do materially influence Celtic's financial performance in addition to revenue. In this context, the summer transfer window is now open and the club intends to publish its results for the year ended 30th of June 2022 in mid-September 2022 following the closure of the transfer window and in line with its previously recognised timetable. Report by David Irwin Evening Time Sport, June 23 Kate Richardson on the success of her journey from triathlon to cycling Report by Susan Egglestaff When Kate Richardson took the plunge and switched from triathlon to cycling she was entirely unsure as to how it would go. However, just over a year on from taking the leap, things could not have gone better for the teenager. Her first stroke of luck was making the move into the world of cycling at just the same time Scotland's first ever women's professional road team was being launched, Alapa Road Team. Having already demonstrated her talent on the bike in the triathlon, Alapa's team manager Bob Lyons snapped her up and the 19-year-old has gone on to be the team's leading performer this season. Add to that a GB vest on the track and teaming up with some of Britain's foremost riders at the Track Nations Cup, Richardson admits that never in her wildest dreams could she have imagined her progress would be so rapid? The Glaswegian says, I am quite hard on myself, and so even though it was my first season, I did want to get some decent results and do well. It's been mad though. I never expected to have done so well and to have got the results I have. Particularly on the track, I only started on it in October so I never expected to pick it up this quickly. Doing the Track Nations Cup in April was really cool. Riding for GB and being in a team with people like Laura Kenny, it was all quite surreal. The formation of Team Alapa and her subsequent invitation to join could not have come at a better time for Richardson. Having left Scotland's elite triathlon programme last spring, a decision she agonised over, Richardson admits she was somewhat directionless. Alapa has been set up as a development team with the dual aim of helping riders progress to the very highest level of the sport and also promoting women's cycling and giving young female riders in this country a path to reach the top. Richardson has established herself as the lead rider of the team, securing some impressive results in the Tour series, and she admits that being in a team with a goal wider 
than solely winning bike races is particularly gratifying. She says, Joining Alapa was definitely not a grand plan, but I was just really fortunate that they decided to take me on. It is a brilliant team to be part of. Women's cycling is becoming such a big sport and it's so important to have this team in Scotland. It is huge for young riders to see others going through the system and getting to the top. Richardson's form throughout the season bodes well for the British Road Race Championships, which begin in Dumfries today. Over the course of four days, Richardson will ride the under-23 time trial, as well as the circuit race and road race, and with this being her first time racing against some of the best in the world on the road, the teenager is intrigued to see how she fares. She says, I am excited about the British Championships. A lot of the girls are part of continental or world tour teams, so it will really be good to see how I measure up against them. I am aiming for a podium in the TT and in the circuit. I'd like to be up there too. In the road race, I'm not putting any position in my head, but I want to ride aggressively. However, Richardson does over the next four days, she will end her season safe in the knowledge that her debut season as a cyclist has been a resounding success. She is not one to rest on her laurels though, and is adamant that she will target both the road and track simultaneously as she hits her twenties. Her ambitions are to make it to the very top and judging by her rapid rise so far, surely few would bet against her. She says, a world tour team is a goal I think everyone wants, and I'd like to keep improving on the track and get onto the GB podium squad in the next couple of years, which hopefully means the Olympics at some point in my career. The plan is definitely to do both road and track. That's becoming more common now, and it keeps interesting. Richardson will be in exalted company in Dumfries over the next four days. In today's time trial at the Crichton, Scottish Olympian Anna Shackley, who won the under-23 title last year, will step up to the elite category while in the men's event, Englishman Ethan Hater is likely to be the one to watch, while Scots John Archibald and Mark Stewart will also be in action as they fine-tune their Commonwealth Games preparation. In tomorrow's circuit race, Stirling's Jenny Hall will be on the start line after winning Euro Paracycling Gold last month as pilot to Sophie Unwin while Strathpeffer's Finn Crockett will go into the men's race after having a solid tour series this season. In Sunday's road race, the star attraction will be Mark Cavendish, who will be attempting to stop Ben Swift completing his hat-trick of national titles, with Archibald and Stewart again on the start line. In the women's race, Shackley is likely to be in contention for victory 
as will pre-race favourite and defending champion Pfeiffer Georgie. Report by Susan Egglestar. Evening Time Sport, June 23. Lovelies set to join Rangers. Report by David Irvin. Teenage wonder kid Zach Lovelace is reportedly set to join Rangers from Millwall. The 16-year-old attracted interest over the summer after making his championship debut for Millwall aged just 15 back in December last year, and now it is claimed Rangers have won the race for his signature. Forward Lovelace had not yet penned professional terms but is thought to be ready to make the move to Ibrox. Transfer insider Fraser Fletcher reports Lovelace has informed Millwall of his decision to leave to sign for Van Bronckhorst's side from July 1. It comes after Premier League pair Brighton and Leicester City were reportedly in for the teenager following his impressive youth form with 21 goals in 19 games, which earned him a first-team spot. Millwall were also desperate to keep hold of the talented Lovelace, with boss Gary Rowett making his feelings clear before the off-season. However, it is now expected Lovelace will leave the club with Rangers ready to hand him an Ibrox deal. On Lovelace, Rowett previously explained, the club have made it clear that we would love Zach to be part of what we do next year and on a full-time basis. That's our aim. There is an inevitability, unfortunately, that some of your better young players get poached by other clubs. To a certain degree, those fees are a little bit out of your hands. Zach is one of those, a lad who has had a bit of interest. He'll be getting different advice and all we can do is show how much we want him here and then see what happens. I don't think he has got to make a decision now. I think someone would have to be interested and essentially pay compensation for him. Report by David Irvin Evening Times Sport June 23 Rangers rubbish Seville 8 million euros transfer swoop claims Report by David Irvin Rangers have rubbished claims. An €8 million Euros bid has been tabled for Alfredo Morelos. Reports from Spain claimed that the La Liga side had submitted an official offer for the striker. The 26-year-old Morelos has just one year remaining on his Ibrox deal. But as of yet, the Ibrox clubs say they have not received a bid from Seville. It is understood even had an official bid been submitted, it would have been rejected with Ibrox chiefs, believing the fee is wide of what they are looking for. The Rangers striker has never shied away from discussing a big money move away from Ibrox, and he has revealed that he would like to test himself in an elite European league. We told earlier this week how Besiktas were also linked with the 26-year-old, with some reports suggesting the Turkish outfit were in talks with Rangers. Morelos was 
cruelly ruled out of the run-in last season after picking a thigh injury. As a result, he missed both the Europa and Scottish Cup finals. Report by David Irvin. Evening Times Sport, June 24. Celtic transfer latest as Bernabe and Jota deals edge closer. Report by Graeme McGarry. Celtic are set to announce the signing of Alexandro Bernabe as Ange Postecoglou steps up efforts to strengthen his squad for their tilt at the Champions League group stage. Argentinian under-19 international left-back Bernabe arrives in Glasgow to put the finishing touches to a five-year deal after Celtic agreed a fee of £3.75 million with Lanus for his transfer earlier in the week. Timesport understands the 21-year-old is likely to be announced officially as a Celtic player today, while the long-awaited conclusion to the Jota transfer saga is also within sight. The Portuguese winger will finally put pen to paper on a permanent deal with the Scottish champions in the coming days, after a successful loan spell last season, where he hit 10 goals and provided 10 assists as Postecoglou's men charged to the league title. A fee of £6.4 million was agreed with Benfica to secure his services as part of the loan agreement, and although the move was placed on hold as the 23-year-old enjoyed his summer break, he will arrive back in Glasgow to complete the transfer before pre-season training starts on Monday. Timesport understands that Celtic have not yet made contact with Liverpool with a view to rekindling their interest in defender Ben Davis. Davis almost joined Celtic in January last year from Preston before an injury crisis at Anfield prompted a late bid that the boyhood Liverpool fan felt he could not refuse. He has failed to play a single minute for Jurgen Klopp's first team though, spending last season on loan at Sheffield United, and reports in England suggest that Celtic are interested once more in bringing him north of the border. Report by Graeme McGarry. Evening Times Sport, June 24. DP World Tour fine LIV playing members £100,000 and issue Scottish Open bans. Report by Press Association. The DP World Tour has fined members who played in the inaugural LIV Golf Invitational Series event £100,000 apiece and banned them from the upcoming Genesis Scottish Open and two other tournaments. Players like Ian Poulter, Lee Westwood and Sergio Garcia all joined the Saudi-backed breakaway venture at Hertfordshire earlier this month, despite not having received releases to do so. The PGA Tour indefinitely banned all its members within minutes of the players teeing off at Centurion Club, but the DP World Tour delayed making a decision. However, citing a breach of regulations, it has now imposed sanctions 
which, in addition to the six-figure fines, includes removing all involved from the Scottish Open, which is held the week before the 150th Open Championship at St Andrews, plus the Barbasol Championship the same week as the Scottish Open, and the Barracuda Championship, which takes place the week of the Open. The DP World Tour also said any subsequent involvement in the LIV Golf Series, whose next event starts in Portland, Oregon next week, may result in additional punishments. A statement said, It is important to note that participation in a further conflicting tournament or tournaments without the required release may incur further sanctions. Keith Pelly, chief executive of the DP World Tour said, Every action anyone takes in life comes with a consequence, and it is no different in professional sport, especially if a person chooses to break the rules. That is what has occurred here with several of our members. Many members I have spoken to in recent weeks expressed the viewpoint that those who have chosen this route have not only disrespected them and our tour, but also the meritocratic ecosystem of professional golf that has been the bedrock of our game for the past half century and which will also be the foundation upon which we build the next 50 years. Their actions are not fair to the majority of our membership and undermine the tour which is why we are taking the action we have announced today. Report from Press Association Evening Times Sport, June 24 Inforum McElroy not looking to prove a point amid LIV golf threat. Report by Carol Markham World number 2 Rory McElroy insists he is not playing to prove a point with the PGA Tour facing the biggest threat in its history from the LIV Golf Invitational Series. The Northern Irishman won the Canadian Open a fortnight ago and contended at last week's United States Open, eventually finishing joint fifth, before equaling his lowest opening round on the American Tour on Thursday with a bogey-free 62 at the Travellers' Championship in Connecticut. His 8-under par score gave him a share of the lead with American J.T. Poston, one ahead of Olympic gold medalist Xander Schofel and Scotland's Martin Laird, and maintained his recent good form. But the 33-year-old dismissed suggestions the ructions caused by the Saudi-backed breakaway had helped him up his game. He said, I just think it so happens that the most protective of the PGA Tour are the best players in the world right now. I am not going out to try to prove anything to anyone. I am in a good run of form. I am playing well. Whether that gives me a little more confidence to speak up on certain issues, maybe, but I'm just going out there trying to play my game and trying to win some more tournaments. On the eve of the tournament, 
and in response to the growing LIV threat, which saw four-time major winner Brooks Kopka decamp on Wednesday, PGA Tour Commissioner Jay Monaghan announced a combined increased purse size of almost US$60 million, United States dollars, £48.9 million pound, at eight tournaments next year. The schedule will also revert to a calendar year, with the FedEx Cup season now running from January to August. McElroy welcomed the changes and asked whether he thought it would make a difference to players considering making the switch to LIV, he added. As Monaghan said, there's only one reason that the guys are going to the other side, and it's because they have an opportunity to make more money. Even though world number one and Masters champion Scotty Scheffler has made $13 million, that's £10.6 million this season, and it's only June. There's opportunities to make a lot of money out here, but like everything always has been in golf, it has to be earned. Some of these changes to the schedule and some of these increases in prize funds I'm sure will cause some guys that were thinking about it to think twice and maybe reconsider their decision. McElroy produced a brilliant round at TBC River Highlands with eight birdies despite hitting just seven of 14 fairways. Starting on the back nine, he got his round going with a chip-in at the par 5 13th, having blasted his greenside bunker shot into the far fringe. Two more birdies saw him turn in 32, but he then rattled off four more in seven holes, including a 48-footer on the seventh. However, he saved his best until the par four last, when he cut the corner with a 332-yard drive to leave him 44 yards to the pin and chipped up for a tap-in birdie and get to eight under. Schofel hit 18 greens in regulation, despite a rushed start to his round after a mix-up over tea times meant his arrival at the course was slightly more rushed than usual. His bogey-free round of 63 was matched by Laird, who was pleased to finally find some form on the greens. Said Laird, after recording his lowest PGA Tour round in nearly two years, when he last won a tournament, I have been hitting the ball great pretty much all year, but struggling with my putting, just not seeing anything go in, and it's been frustrating for a couple of months. It is nice to finally kind of see a result that's closer to how I feel I've been playing than how my scores have been recently. Report by Carol Markham. Evening Times Sport, June 24. Harry Kuehl snubs opportunity after being sold on Celtic. Report by Graeme McGarry. If this management lark had not worked out for Ange Postecoglou, 
he might have had a decent crack at a career in recruitment. A single phone call from the Celtic manager seems to be enough to persuade just about anyone to join his cause. As goalkeeper Ben Segrist said earlier this week, and as a slew of players who have signed up at Celtic before him have too, Postecoglou's pitch on the phone had Harry Kuehl sold on a move to Scotland to join his coaching staff instantly. It wasn't just their shared nationality that appealed to Kuehl, who had his first day at Lennoxton this week, but a shared vision of how they believe a football team should play that persuaded the Australian legend that he could offer something tangible to the Celtic cause. So much so that he blew off another job opportunity to up sticks and hot-foot it to Glasgow. Kuehl told Celtic TV, Funnily enough, I was actually in for another interview for another job, and I thought it went really well, and I was looking forward to a call back. In between that time, I had a call off the manager, and the way he spoke to me, and the way he presented the job, I said yes straight away. I did not even worry about the next part, because I felt it was an opportunity for me to learn of not only a great manager, not only an Australian manager, but a great manager has been and has started to do his work into Europe and get his ideas across about what he wants. He is very forthright with what he wants out of his players, and it is very similar to what I like. The way he spoke to me about football and what he wants from me, I said virtually straight away that yes, I would come. He always likes to mix things up. He always likes to bring in fresh ideas. I said when I spoke to him, I did not want to be someone coming up here just because of the Australian link. He spoke very positively about monitoring me for a while, and I never knew that. So when he did speak to me about his ideas for what I could bring to the team, it was a no-brainer. A lot of people take to Ange or to the manager because he plays a certain style of football that everybody wants to see. The top teams are playing it. They want to play out from the back. They want to play through the middle. They want to create chances. They play that high tempo. As soon as you lose the ball, you want to press and win the ball back in high areas and hopefully tire the other team out and then dominate that way. That's what people love to come and see. Yes, you do come across teams that are very rigid and play a certain way, but his football is very free-flowing and he has that kind of idea of playing that way. Kuehl sees his role at the club as very much supplementing what has gone before, rather than coming in to shake things up, if it isn't broken and all that. And despite his vast experience at the top level of the game, he says that he has been hugely impressed already 
by both the facilities and the staff he encountered on his first day at Celtic. He said, I'm kind of blown away. I haven't been at a huge club for a while now, so this was all kind of new to me, and it's nerve-wracking to come into such a huge club like this. Just seeing the facilities at the moment is fantastic, and the training ground setup is the perfect size, so for me, it's been a brilliant first day. I am really looking to getting to meet the players first and foremost, and then getting to understand exactly their movement patterns. Even just sitting there with John Kennedy for the last hour or so, just talking about how they play, it's kind of similar to my ideas. So working with the manager as well is going to be great because the ideas of what I like is similar to what he likes. I have strong ambitions, but I'm not going to lie. I've come into a huge club, so I'm going to sit and I'm going to learn. I'm going to watch, I'm going to study, and I'm going to see exactly what I can bring to the team. I'm not going to go straight in there and go, this, this and this. That's not me. I want to learn. Even just speaking to John Kennedy, he's got so much experience, so I'm going to be picking his brains left, right and centre. Kuhl, of course, knows all about what it takes to succeed at Champions League level, having picked up a winner's medal in the competition as part of the Liverpool side, who famously came back from a 3-0 half-time deficit to beat AC Milan on penalties in Istanbul in 2005. He is not about to make any bold predictions about how far Celtic can go in the competition next season, but he does think they will be more than able to give the continent's big guns a run for their money, particularly on those special European nights at Celtic Park. He said, they are special. I don't think people can understand what it's like unless you've been there. You can have that taste, but once you do have that taste, you want more. You are competing against the best teams in the world, and it is a cup competition. So you have to be at your very best to get far in the competition, and you have to have that element of luck as well. It's going to be tough. But the way that the manager has got his team playing, I think they are going to be a handful. Report by Graeme McGarry. Evening Times Sport, June 24. Kyogo links up with former teammates to start training. Report by David Evan. Celtic star Kyogo Furuhashi kick-started his pre-season preparations by joining in training with former club Vissel Kobe. The parkhead forward linked up with his former side in Japan and donned his old training gear to take part in training. Ange Postikoglu brought the 27-year-old to Celtic Park from the J-League last summer and the creative attacker has already become a fan favourite in Glasgow. However, he keeps strong ties with his homeland. Posting this morning, 
Former club Vissel Kobe revealed special guest Kyogo joined in training with the squad, and Kyogo looked delighted to reunite with some of his former teammates. Images shared by the club appeared to show the Celtic star take part in light fitness drills. Evening Time Sport, June 24. Livingston boss surprised at no bids for Fitzwater or Strijek. Report by Darren Johnston. Livingston manager Davy Martindale admits he is surprised goalkeeper Max Strijek has not yet been snapped up. The Lions boss had been bracing himself for the departure of the pole after Strijek attracted interest from clubs at the tail end of last season. Informal inquiries have also been made about defender Jack Fitzwater, who was linked with Newcastle United last season. Both players are under contract at the Tony Macaroni Arena, but Martindale expects at least one of them to have been sold by the time the summer transfer window closes. The 25-year-old Strijek picked up eight clean sheets and saved 70.5% of the shots he faced last season as the West Lothian outfit finished seventh in the Premiership. Martindale said, We have had a few tentative inquiries about Max and Jack, but it is all third parties to be honest, nothing concrete. I actually thought Max would be away. If I am being honest, there was quite a bit of interest before we went into the close season. I had a couple of agents phoning for clubs. It's kind of gone a wee bit quiet, just tentative inquiries, making sure he is still available, asking price, all that kind of thing. I would expect one of them to move on, but it's football and you never know. I would be more than happy if the two of them are in the building come September 1, but I am one that likes to get my business done early doors. Report by Darren Johnston Evening Time Sport, June 27 Harry Millen determined to hit greater heights with Partick Thistle. Report by James Kearney Harry Millen believes that Firhill is the best place to be as the newly acquired Patty Thistle left-back prepares for the step-up to the championship this term. The 25-year-old was a key part of the Cove Rangers side that has surged up the SPFL pyramid in recent years and signed a pre-contract agreement with Thistle earlier this year. The likes of Hibbs and Aberdeen were monitoring the defender before Millen opted for the Jags, and the offensive fullback believes he is at the perfect club for his current stage of development. He harbours ambitions of one day playing in the Premiership, but he knows that if Thistle can achieve the club's stated goal for the upcoming season, improve on last term's fourth place finish, then they will have a chance of reaching the top flight by the playoffs. He explained, 
I felt like it was the right step at the right moment. I finished my degree last year. I've maybe done things in the reverse order of a typical footballer. I felt it was the right move for me. I've got aspirations of playing at a higher level, the top level. And this year at Thistle, we will push to get to that level, whether it be through the playoffs or whatever. We just want to do better than last year and keep progressing. But obviously Thistle are a massive club. They have got a great history and a good fan base. I have played against a lot of the players here and I respect them. I knew it was a good squad I was walking into. They were not far away last year and I believe that we can get as close if not better again this year. The project as a whole was quite enticing. Millen's progression at part-timers Cove mirrored the team's own rise to the championship and few would contend that he is not ready for a crack at the second tier after an impressive few campaigns in the northeast. The left-sided defender is confident that he can continue his upward trajectory at Thistle. After all, any time the bar has been raised, Millen has had little problem in hurdling over it. He said, I feel I've got better each year. I have taken moving up the levels in my stride, playing against better players and playing with better players. I think the full-time environment here, training every day, the professionalism of the club, the gaffer, the players around me, that will help take me to that next level where I can progress my game further. I am absolutely buzzing to be here and I am looking forward to the season starting. Millen's pre-contract agreement to join Thistle was all but finalised relatively early on, but the fullback insists his focus always remained on the task at hand, ensuring that Paul Hartley's side got their title bid over the line. Some players down tools when they have arranged a move to another club. Others find the whole situation to be an unhelpful distraction and their form on the park suffers. Millen falls into neither category. If anything, he saved his best football for the run-in, scoring five goals and providing three assists in his final eight league appearances. He recalls, In a sense, it was kind of weird knowing that I was leaving. Not that many folk knew about it. There were a few players that I was quite close with that knew, but nothing really changed. I still wanted to win the league for Cove, and I had the same view as the rest of the players. And for me personally, I knew I was going to be stepping up a level, regardless of whether Cove went up or not. So it was about pushing myself to get to the best level that I could. And I think that towards the end of last season, I was playing some of the best football that I have played. If I can take that into the start of this season, then I will be very happy. Report by James Kearney Evening Times Sport, June 27th 
The Monday Kickoff by James Morgan. Magedi a talisman in more ways than one. Aidan Magedi's return to Scottish football after a 12 year absence brought to mind the veterans who have followed a similar path from English football back to the top flight in this country. The 36 year old will be just one of a number of players still operating in the Premiership next season who will be putting their faith in modern fitness methods and their hunger to keep going as they seek to prolong their careers. 40-something Alan McGregor is another who has decided to give it a go for another year. The Rangers goalkeeper was named Player of the Year for season 2020-21, while another goalkeeper, Craig Gordon, aged 39, received the Football Writers Award for the season just ended for his fine performances as Hearts finished third on their return to the top flight and reached the Scottish Cup final. Top-tier football is, of course, full of goalkeepers, still capable of mixing it at the highest level. But there are enough examples that age is no barrier to outfield players contributing at a satisfactory level. Of those still featuring for clubs in the Premiership, the names of Stephen Davis, Charlie Mulgrew, Craig Bryson, among many more, stand out as players all still producing on a regular basis. A study conducted by the National Library of Medicine confirms the general impression that elite football players are indeed playing for longer, but that there is a significant drop-off in those who have reached the age of 35. Of course, if the drop-off is from exceptional to just merely good or very good, there is no shame in that. As Magedi's performances at Sunderland over recent seasons have demonstrated, there is no reason to think that he will not provide a major boost to Hibernian's fortunes next season. But there may also be a hidden benefit for Lee Johnson, the Hibs manager. Magedi is an erudite mind and one which perhaps explains early run-ins with irascible characters such as Arthur Boruch and Gordon Strachan. So it was interesting to hear Johnson explain what he felt Magedi would add to his dressing room. He will bring skill, experience and gravitas to our team, he said, suggesting that Magedi is not just in town for one final paycheck. We will also look to utilise Aidan's fantastic leadership qualities to help guide and get the best out of our young forward players. Childhood Memories of Wimbledon Your columnist was a Wimbledon orphan as a kid for a fortnight every summer back in more unreconstructed times. An era when women, for the most part, stayed at home and husbands went to work. Shock horror. Inevitably the house fell apart for two weeks as my mother went on strike. 
Well, it was the 80s after all. It was an annual montage of shrieks and squeals, of heated arguments of joy and despair. And that was just my dad trying to work out how to use the cooker. It was also a time of high excitement, of fastening string between two lampposts and the near decapitation of of unsuspecting cyclists as the kids in our street set up their own makeshift centre court in the middle of our housing estate. These were simpler times, but tennis was anything but. There were Machiavellian psychological battles between the game's biggest names. There was charisma in abundance and outrageous bits of skill. And while the latter facet remains ever-present, the other qualities will seem but a distant childhood memory when the tournament resumes at SW19 this week. A new lease of life in Hartlepool. In a week when the actual Gareth Bale completed his exit from Real Madrid to join Los Angeles FC, it was interesting to note that the North Lanarkshire Gareth Bale was also on the move. Jake Hasty was meant to be Scottish football's next bright young thing when he joined Rangers from Motherwell in 2019. It didn't quite work out that way for the now who has bounced around the lower divisions in Scotland before finding himself on loan at Irish League Club Linfield last season. Now he has a chance to start again at Hartlepool, where he will find himself reunited with Gordon Young, his old head of academy at Motherwell. Young and the Hartlepool manager Paul Hartley have brought in three Scots already this season, including Regan Tumulty from Wraith Rovers, Hasty, and another former Motherwell youth team player in Ewan Murray. It was a tried and trusted formula for Forest Green Rovers, who also had a trio of Scots in their League 2 title-winning lineup last season. Let's hope it proves to be the perfect move for Hasty to get his career back on track. Lasley predicts a change in football's landscape. Spoke to Keith Lasley recently about his plans for St Myrne. The Chief Operating Officer at the Paisley Club has been making all the right noises since her arrival there in April. It is easy to forget that supporters care deeply about all facets of their clubs, not just transfers and league positions. Lasley is in the midst of a master's degree in sports directorship at Manchester Metropolitan University and believes that in the near future, administrators in all areas of Scottish football will be drawn largely from ex-players who are similarly qualified, much as is the case in the rest of Europe. I think we are catching up with the rest of the continent on where we were 10 years ago in terms of having sporting directors and proper structures 
and probably sporting directors and COOs with a sporting background was a little bit more of the norm on the continent. Through courses such as the one he is doing, I think that is becoming more of an option for players to see it as a pathway to get involved in the business side of football, says Lasley. I think players in the past just looked at it and essentially thought, that's just for business guys. But now with the new structures in place, you will see more players getting involved in an executive level. The Gentleman of the Track It speaks volumes about the standard of Scottish men's middle distance running that Josh Kerr, the Olympic bronze medalist, was quoted recently in these pages as saying he was intent on upgrading to a gold medal at this summer's World Championships. It says even more about the strength of the Tartan Giants on the track at 1500 metres that Kerr was third behind Jake Whiteman and Neil Gourley in a Scottish 1-2-3 at the UK Championships on Saturday. Their position at the top of the 1500 metres game rekindles memories of the Steve Ovid Sebco Steve Cram era when British athletics dominated the division, but there appears to be none of the rancour that characterised the rivalry of the three Englishmen. As Kerr said in the aftermath of Saturday's race, it's really fun to keep competing against guys at the same level and keep pushing each other to higher heights. They are lovely men, I have nothing but respect for all of them. Report by James Morgan. And that was this week's Glasgow Times Sport podcast, normally recorded in our studio at the Bishop Briggs Media Centre, currently recorded from our volunteers' homes with the publisher's kind permission. Thanks for listening.